Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast contains adult content. Some of the themes or topics may include information on murder, kidnapping, torture, dismemberment, maybe some demonic content with information on positions and paranormal activity. This podcast will also include explicit, horrible and foul, socially unacceptable, totally uninhibited adult themes language. So if you're easily offended, if you're easily triggered, then I highly suggest you turn this off now. And if not, just keep in mind, parental discretion is advised. What exactly are dreams? All right, this is something that scientists have been trying to discover and explain for hundreds of years. There is a lot of reference to dreams in recorded history, philosophical studies, and religious texts. What do we know about dreams? We know there are many types of dreams, such as absent-minded transgression dreams, daydreams, hallucination nightmares, night terrors, deja vu, lucid dreaming, and just typical nighttime dreaming. Dreams of absent-minded transgression, known as DAMT, they happen when someone dreams about something they have been trying to quit or not do. A lot of times it will be a smoker or alcoholic who quit the habit, or even a spouse dreaming of an affair, and typically the dreamer wakes up with intense guilt. One study actually found that there was a positive association between having these dreams and successfully stopping the behavior. Then we have daydreams. Those are a visionary fantasy, especially one of a happy, pleasant thoughts, hopes and ambitions, uh, imagined as happening in real life and experienced while awake. 
think The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, or any movie or TV show where something happens and then it rewinds and shows that it was only in their mind. Now, daydreaming is thought of as healthy and good for your brain. Uh, It's actually important to just think for pleasure sometimes. Now, although daydreaming in the extreme can also be a sign of mental illness when it inhibits concentration. So people who suffer from depression, anxiety, PTSD, and ADHD can sometimes have issues with daydreaming too often. Research by Harvard psychologist Deirdre Barrett has found that people who experience vivid dreamlike mental images use the word daydream to describe it, whereas many other people refer to milder imagery, realistic future planning, review of past memories, or just spacing out. Daydreaming used to be considered lazy or useless, but it's now actually acknowledged as being helpful because a lot of artists like uh, authors and filmmakers and painters and people like that, they use daydreaming to come up with new ideas. Even scientists and mathematicians have admitted to use daydreaming in their research as well. Now let's move on to hallucinations. By definition, a hallucination is a perception in the absence of an external stimulus that has the qualities of a real perception. It really is just like a full-blown dream while you're awake. You often see these referred to in a desert setting, where everything around someone looks the same. The brain creates something in your mind. It can also happen to people in absolute darkness or a sensory deprivation tank. One major theory, though, about hallucinations is that they are caused when something goes wrong in the relationship between the brain's frontal lobe and the sensory cortex. And this is from a neuropsychologist professor, uh, Flavi Waters, from the University of Western Australia. And for example, research suggests auditory Hallucinations experienced by people with schizophrenia involve an overactive auditory cortex, the part of the brain that processes sound, and that's what uh, the professor said. Uh, This results in random sounds and speech fragments being generated. Healthy people without any underlying issues experience this as well. Have you ever thought you heard something, or perhaps your name being called, when nothing like that actually happened. That is technically a hallucination, or seeing something out of the corner of your eye and thinking it was something else. Or maybe after a pet of yours passes away, you sometimes think you see it running through the house, or you can, you know, feel it laying on on you, like on your legs or something, while you're in bed. So, you know, there's a couple little examples. Nightmares are obviously unpleasant dreams, and they cause a strong negative emotional response from the mind. Now, typically fear or horror, but also despair, anxiety, and great sadness are some of these uh, emotions. One of my personal favorite depictions of a nightmare is the painting Woman Having a Nightmare by Jean-Pierre Simon. 
it shows an actual tiny demon sitting on the chest of a woman sleeping. And sometimes a nightmare can truly feel that way. So after a nightmare, a person will typically be awakened by the dream and remain in a state of distress for a while. Often they stay awake for a little while afterward, unable to fall back asleep because they are afraid of having another nightmare. Sometimes recurring nightmares can be so bad they cause sleep deprivation and require medical attention. The prevalence of nightmares in children aged 5 to 12 years old is between 20 and 30 percent, and for adults it's between 8 and 30 percent. So a similar type of dream to a nightmare is a night terror. Now though it is not actually a dream, it is a parasomnia disorder that mostly affects children. It is basically just a disorder that causes you to feel extreme terror, panic, or dread during the first hours of stage 3-4 non-REM sleep. It usually only lasts 1-10 to 10 minutes, but it can last longer than that. An exact cause is unknown because it's believed sleep deprivation, nocturnal asthma, indigestion, central nervous system medication, stuffy noses, and having a fever can increase likelihood of experiencing night terrors. Moving on to last on our list is déjà vu. It is a French word that expresses the feeling that one has lived through or dreamt of the present situation before. Although some interpret déjà vu in a paranormal context, Mainstream scientific approaches do reject the explanation of déjà vu as precognition or prophecy. Two types of déjà vu are recognized. The pathological déjà vu, usually associated with epilepsy, or that which, when usually prolonged or frequent, or associated with other symptoms such as hallucinations, may be an indicator of neurological or psychiatric illness, and the non-pathological type characteristic of healthy people, about two-thirds of whom have had deja vu experiences. So it's also said that people who watch more movies and TV or travel often experience deja vu more frequently, which makes sense because you see more things uh, and have more memories of stuff in your head, chances are you feel like you've experienced things more than once more often. So people who are in high-stress situations, under extreme pressure, or are in fragile conditions seem to report these experiences more as well. And the research shows the older you get, the less deja vu people have. So there are a number of medical explanations that can possibly explain deja vu, as well as many paranormal ones as well. I really don't want to go more in depth with this because we're mainly here to discuss dreams in general today, and that has to cover a lot of different kinds. So let's talk about lucid dreaming. It is a conscious perception of one's state while dreaming. Basically knowing you are in a dream while dreaming. Now even to the point of being able to control your dreams in some cases. Dream control has been reported to improve with practiced, deliberate, lucid dreaming. But the ability to control aspects of the dream is not necessary 
for a dream to qualify as lucid. A lucid dream is any dream during which the dreamer knows that they are dreaming. (laughs) I know we said the word dream a lot, but I know you guys follow it along. I have a smart audience, so... Anyway, now this may sound pretty crazy or out there or, you know, just weird to some people, but lucid dreaming has been scientifically verified, all right? In fact, in 1975, psychologist Keith Hearn successfully recorded a communication from a dreamer experiencing a lucid dream. They had decided on an eye movement communication where the dreamer would move his eyes left to right when he became lucid in that dream. And on April 12, 1975, Alan Worsley successfully carried out this task. And it turns out Worsley was Hearn's partner in research and co-author of his article. So you may think uh, he was faking it, but... Years later, psychophysiologist Stephen LaBerge conducted similar work. LaBerge was actually able to use eye signals to map the subjective sense of time in dreams. He was able to map the brain when a subject was in singing in a dream and compare it to a brain map of singing while awake. And he, of course, he used this to compare in-dream sex, arousal, and orgasm to the same happening while awake. Now, taken from an article called Saying Hi Through a Dream, How the Internet Could Make Sleeping More Social by Parmi Olson, where it was laid out how communication between two dreamers was documented. The processes involved included EEG monitoring, ocular signaling, incorporation of reality in the form of red light stimuli, and a coordinating website. The website tracked when both dreamers were dreaming and sent the stimulus to one of the dreamers, where it was incorporated into the dream. The dreamer, upon becoming lucid, signaled with eye movements, and this was detected by the website, and that's when the stimulus was sent to the second dreamer, invoking incorporation into the dreamer's dream. That is fucking wild shit. (laughs) So, now we have a basic overview of types of dreams, but what the fuck are they? Do we even really know? We know what different types we have because that shit I just read about how they did studies and people were able to communicate between each other during lucid dreaming and shit. That is seriously wild. So by definition, a dream is a succession of images, ideas, emotions, and or sensations that usually occur involuntarily in the mind during certain stages of sleep. Humans spend about two hours dreaming per night, and each dream lasts around 5 to 20 minutes. Dreams occur mainly in the REM stage of sleep when brain activity is high and resembles that of being awake, because research has shown that animals also experience REM sleep stages, and dreams have been successfully linked to REM, It is now believed animals must experience dreams as well, and this obviously cannot be proven though, but it is an interesting concept. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, studying dreams is extremely difficult because we have no way to see a dream and experience it or record it as an outside source. We have to rely on people waking up and reporting their dreams. So as we know, eyewitness accounts can be super unreliable, as can the retelling of any memory, let alone a memory of a made-up sequence of events in your mind. It does seem that people recall dreams more vividly when woken during REM sleep compared to waking up on their own, though. It is believed that waking to an alarm clock or other stimulus may interrupt the pattern causing you to remember better than going through all the phases of sleep before waking up naturally. That must explain my shakes. I never remember my dreams, but I also don't really wake up to an alarm clock, so that might explain some of that. Alright, so when you look back at ancient texts, including the Bible and other writings from BC eras, many people used to see dreams as a message from beyond. Gudea... I think that's how you pronounce it, Gude, uh, who was the king of the Sumerian city-state of Lagash, 2144 to 2124 BC, rebuilt the temple of Ningrisu as a result of a dream in which he said he was told to do so. In the Bible, you had Jacob's Ladder, which is a reference that's still used today, and it was a dream in which uh, Jacob saw angels ascending and descending a ladder between heaven and earth. There is also a story of an angel telling Joseph not to divorce Mary because she was pregnant with a child that was the Savior in one of his dreams. And this, I mean, there's a ton of them, okay? We can't just narrow them down to a few. There are also many prophecies that came in dreams to Joseph or that Joseph interpreted. Uh, it is said that he actually dreamt he would be a ruler, and no one believed him, and everyone laughed at him. And he landed in jail where he, where he interpreted some prisoner's dreams. Word got to the pharaoh, and he interpreted his dreams and was so accurate that the pharaoh put him in the second highest position in the kingdom, which meant he was a ruler. Later in history, though, some of these narratives gave way to visualized narratives in which the dreamer himself or herself, became a character who actively participated. From the 1940s to 1985, Calvin S. Hall recollected more than 50,000 dream reports at Western Reserve University. In 1966, Hall and Robert Van de Castle published The Content Analysis of Dreams, in which they outlined a coding system to study 1,000 dream reports from college students. The Hall study showed that people from all around the world had similar dream content. The most common emotion experienced was anxiety, with abandonment, anger, fear, joy, and happiness behind it 
and it was in that order. Negative emotions were noticeably more common than positive. Sexual dreams only occurred 10% of the time and mostly in young to mid-aged teens. The visual nature of dreams is generally very fucking wild, alright? And different locations, objects, and people can blend into each other and change without reason. For example, one article by Rebecca Spencer had this story about her daughter's retelling of a dream. When she was eight, my daughter told me about one of her dreams. She was in a spaceship with some animals. Although she knew she was in a spaceship in her dream, when telling me about the dream, she realized the spaceship was actually a washing machine. At times, she and the animals would be out in space, but they also came back to Earth. Now, typically dreams are some sort of extension or recreation of an event the person experienced. But there are also reports of people dreaming of entirely new complex worlds with elaborate stories, which have even sparked ideas for novels or movies. And here's a, here's a wild one for you. I've actually always wondered this. People who are blind from birth do not dream visually, but they do experience similar dreams just with their other senses, such as hearing, touch, smell, and taste. Dream study is popular with scientists exploring the midbrain problem, which is a debate concerning the relationship between thought and consciousness in the human mind and the brain as part of the physical body. So there is no real hard science on dreams since most nations restrict human brain research to non-invasive procedures. And EEG voltage cannot identify small but influential neuronal populations. And fMRI signals are too slow to explain how brains compute in real time. Scientists have attempted tests on animals, but as we cannot confirm animal dreaming, it is not a hard science. So that brings us to, what is the reason for dreaming? So ancient Egyptians believed that dreams were the best way to receive divine revelation, which led them to inducing dreams, and they even had special sanctuaries with dream beds that they hoped would give them dreams in which they would receive advice, comfort, or healing from the gods. But it was not just ancient Egyptians. For humans in the pre-classical era, and continuing for some populations up into modern times, dreams are believed to have functioned as revealers of truths sourced during sleep from gods or other external entities. So if you examine and consider dreams from a Darwinian perspective, they would have to fulfill some kind of biological requirement. They would have to provide some benefit for natural selection to take place, or at least have no negative impact on fitness. Sigmund Freud believed dreams were a necessity, but in a different way. He wrote that dreams serve the purpose of prolonging sleep instead of waking up. Dreams are the guardians of sleep and not its disturbers. So since the discovery of REM sleep stages in 1953, we have been able to dive a bit deeper in, in some of this. 
Scientists and researchers have discovered that sleep is important for memory. Memories move from the temporary storage in the <laughs> hippocampus, I think that's how you say it, which is a brain structure very important for short-term memory, moving from there to permanent storage in other parts of the brain, which ultimately makes it easier to recover memories later on down the road. So these two people, Crick and Mitchison, in 1983, they came up with the reverse learning theory. And this states that dreams are like the cleaning up operations of computers when they are offline. And they remove suppressing parasitic nodes and other junk from the mind during sleep. Which is, I think, kind of a fascinating theory, really. Um, but humans do not have to be in REM to dream. Uh, in fact, dreams that happen in non-REM sleep are when most memory replay happens. But sometimes, when we switch cycles, dreams can go from realistic to bizarre and then back again. We don't have to dream to store memories either. Even when we're not dreaming, memories are being filed away by the brain. Dreams can also help us process events or decisions, improving creativity and problem solving. One experiment done was when scientists gave people three words to find how they are common. One example being heart, 16, and cookies. It was discovered that people actually did much better if they had a nap that included REM sleep and then were asked again. The words are all related to the sweet, sweetheart, sweet 16, and cookies are sweet. And this gave them the theory that REM sleep, when the most bizarre dreams occur, can help promote finding creative solutions. Another theory for the reason of dreams is that it helps us process emotions or even prepare for something emotional. This is called threat simulation theory, and it's a theory of dreaming that says that threats are simulated or practiced in your dreams to prepare you for those situations when you are awake. This is pretty interesting because uh, Lindsay, who, who did the uh, phenomenal research on this, super interesting topic, uh, she said that she personally experienced this particular thing when she was pregnant and she was terrified of her upcoming C-section. She said she dreamed the situation was much worse and more stressful than it actually was, so perhaps she actually was better prepared emotionally by dreaming about it beforehand, which is kind of goddamn fascinating, you know? Another example could be dreaming of an upcoming test going badly to mentally prepare you and convince you to study more. And another theory, a very recent one, and it's the Eagleman and Vaughn 2021 Defensive Activation Theory. And it says that given the brain's neuroplasticity, dreams evolved as a visual hallucinatory activity during sleep's extended periods of darkness, busying the occipital lobe and thereby protecting it from possible appropriation by other non-vision sense operations. So basically, dreams have been explained, which I barely understand, all right? Oh, man. Like, I learned so much in this episode, and I understand 
I don't know, maybe 75% of it, that one they could have worded a lot fucking better. But um, basically, dreams have been explained in just so many ways, you know, from being necessary to prophetic to emotionally preparing to just um, simply being a way for the brain to keep itself busy. And of course, you know, we can't end this without putting in a dream argument, all right? The dream argument is the postulation that the act of dreaming provides preliminary evidence that the senses we trust to distinguish reality from illusion should not be fully trusted, and therefore any state that is dependent on our senses should at the very least be carefully examined and rigorously tested to determine whether it is in fact reality. Basically, believing we are living in a simulated or dream reality and not the real world. Kind of like the Matrix. And this argument goes that while we are dreaming, we typically do not realize it is a dream. And on some occasions we dream in a dream where the act of one realizing they are dreaming itself being only a dream that one is not aware of having. These are some fucking confusing discussions, alright? <laughs> this argument has actually led philosophers to wonder whether it is possible for one ever to be certain at any given point in time that one is not in fact dreaming. It has also been discussed if someone could remain in a perpetual dream state, never to experience the reality of wakefulness at all. For example, could someone be in a coma for 30 years but be living in their own dream reality the entire time and not realize that they are actually in a coma for 30 years in a hospital bed? In Western philosophy, this whole puzzle was referred to by Plato, Aristotle, and the academic skeptics, and it is now best known from René Descartes' Meditations on First Philosophy. The dream argument has become one of the most prominent skeptical hypotheses. Uh, I'm not a huge Descartes fan, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, he's considered one of the great modern philosophers, but at the same time, he... I don't know, he's famous for math and shit. He, like, connected algebra and geometry, for those of you who are curious. Like I said, I've always gotten into philosophy for some fucking weird reason. But yeah, he also is the one that brought the idea of uh, we're all born with a certain knowledge from whatever brings us into this fucking world. <laughs> but, I mean, he was an interesting dude, don't get me wrong. Definitely not my favorite, though. Alright, so this is a pretty interesting quote from the Zhuangzi Paradox. He who dreams of drinking wine may weep when morning comes. He who dreams of weeping may in the morning go off to hunt. While he is dreaming, he does not know it is a dream. And in his dream, he may even try to interpret a dream. Only after he wakes does he know it was all a dream. And someday there will be a great awakening when we know that this is all a great dream. Yet the stupid believe they are awake, busily and brightly assuming they understand things. Calling this man ruler, that one herdsman. How dense. 
Confucius and you are both dreaming. And when I say you are dreaming, I am dreaming too. Words like these will be labeled the supreme swindle. Yet, after 10,000 generations, a great sage may appear who will know their meaning, and it will still be as though he appeared with astonishing speed. So, there you go. (laughs) I hope you guys enjoyed that. A deep dive into the mystery of the human brain creating dreams and what the fuck it could actually mean. It's one of those fascinating topics just because science really hasn't nailed anything down. I mean, they've nailed certain things down, but the whole um, theories of a dream within a dream and the fact that they were able to do the whole lucid dreaming experience fucking awesome man i love that shit but anyway i hope you guys enjoyed and until next time i'll see you guys later What's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now 